Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hello church, and I really believe last week you were tremendously blessed by that message from Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. What a message from Joshua. And I just believe as Israel heard that, they were on the verge of entering into the promised land. And they were really believing God that God was going to do something new. The day that you have been born again, you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you have been joined to the life of God. And you have belonged to God. Your life is not your own. You're bought with a price and now Jesus wants you to live unto him. In the same way as Joshua was taking Israel into the promised land, God also wants to take us into a promised life, an abundant life, an abundant life that will eventually take us also into the promised land of God. The way into the promised land was not going to be problem free. There was going to be challenges and conflicts and wars and all of that. But God was giving them a new direction. Now, consecrate yourself because I am going to do wonders for you. God was proclaiming and declaring, I am going to do wonders. I am going to do wonders. And today, church, I want to tell you this this day. God is going to do wonders on your behalf and my behalf. You know, even as the way before them was challenging and, and there were many, many challenges that were coming. They were on the verge of entering the promised land. But God began to say, let's do something before you enter into all the promises that I have for you. Twelve men had gone and spied the land earlier and Moses, they went back to Moses with a bad message and many of them died in the wilderness. Now Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two people left as they were entering this time, 40 years later, they were coming to a place with a great opportunity to enter the promised land again. But this time, God Almighty was going before the two people that was willing to trust him, believe his word, obey him and march right into the promised land. Not everybody that left Egypt heard the word of God, believed that there was a promised land, believed that there was a God who was going to take care of them. Not every one of them is going to make it to the promised land because they were not willing to trust God and believe God. It is at this point, at the verge of entering in, Joshua is saying, consecrate yourself for tomorrow God is going to do a wonder among you, wonders and, and a great thing God is going to do. So he is saying, God's part is to, con to do wonders. Your part is going to be to consecrate yourself for God. Now, this group of people that had come to the promised land, to the words of the Jordan was another group of people. It was another generation. This generation was very different from their father's generation. The new generation, they were ready to cross over, but they had not yet been circumcised. They were not yet ready in the flesh, but they just knew in their spirit that a promised land was just across that river Jordan. They saw the land and I'm sure they were excited, but there was a flood. There was something that was stopping them. They were a new generation. They saw the promises of God. They saw the provision of God in the wilderness 40 years. How, how manna, they were fed with manna and they had water miraculously. 
They saw the power of God in the wilderness. They were born in the wilderness. They were not born in slavery. So they did not have a slave mentality. They had a, a new, uh, you know, warrior mentality in their mind. That it was victory after victory. God going before them. They had a mentality that God is going before us. God is doing it for us. God is doing everything for us. Isn't that awesome? That's how the New Testament church is today. We believe God is going before us. God is doing everything for us. They had an expectation of miracles. There was a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. The shoes wouldn't wear out. Food was in, uh, plenty and available. God was supplying their water. Everything was there. They expected God for miracles. They were looking forward to the promised land. They were ready for battle. They had changed from a slave mentality. Now they had a warrior mentality. And they had godly order and they had received Joshua to be their leader. But God had one thing more for them. With everything in place, God said, I want you to deal with the flesh. Before you get into this, I want you to make a covenant with me. He said, consecrate yourself. You see, 40 years ago, their fathers had made a covenant with God in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. Moses had led them to Mount Sinai as he led them out of Egypt. They came to Mount Sinai and there they made a covenant with God. In Exodus 19, we see that the Bible says that God says, I brought you out among the, from the Egyptians and I bore you with eagle's wings and I blessed you and I myself, you know, led you out. Now, if indeed you obey my voice and you keep my covenant, and you will be my own possession, my own people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that God spoke to Israel. So Israel made a covenant with God, you know, and it was 40 years ago. But through the years, they broke the covenant. And because of that, they lived in sin, they disobeyed. And that is why every one of them, they died in the wilderness. 40 years later, God calls them again to a place of consecration. After all the fathers died in the wilderness, there was just Joshua and Caleb that were left from among that generation. Joshua and Caleb from the previous generation and a whole new generation with a new mindset. And they, by this time, they had lived in the wilderness all their life. They had not known another life. They had only known God's goodness taking them through the wilderness. And God's promise that one day, that they will get to the promised land. You know, isn't it like many of us, all our life we're living here on earth and we're living with the promise that one day God is going to take us into the promised land. There's going to be a blessing on the other side. But even as they were getting ready to enter into the promised land, to take and conquer everything that God had promised them, God did four things that he led them through. And this is what I want to focus on today. The first thing God asks Israel is consecrate yourself because I'm going to do wonders among you, which means a life of miracles are going to start. But I want you to be set apart only unto me. Church, today the Lord is calling you and me to consecrate ourselves. God is going to do wonders. It really doesn't matter what kind of wilderness we're in. What kind of situation our economy is, it really doesn't matter what has the challenges that the world over people are going through, the nations are going through. I want to bring this prophetic word to you. The Lord is speaking to you and saying, consecrate yourself and I am going to do a wonder among you. 
I'm going to do something in your life that you might not have believed. The first thing God asked them to do is consecrate themselves. God always calls for a consecration before God using anybody. God did a miracle for them. And when the priests took the ark and they stepped into the water of the Jordan, which was swollen and it was flooded, you know, the waters parted and the news about the waters parting went all around the land among the Gentiles. They heard that the God of Israel was going before them. Firstly, God asked them to consecrate themselves and God did a miracle for them. He parted a swollen river Jordan, which nobody could cross at that time. He parted it for them. The second thing that God did was that God asked them to make a covenant with God. After they crossed into the promised land, all the men and in a place called Gilgal, God asked them, I want you to be circumcised. I want you to be cut in the flesh so that today onwards you will bear a mark or a sign of the covenant. That there will be a sign of the covenant in the flesh that you belong to God. You're a separated nation, a holy nation unto God. This is what. Now the, the, the fathers were consecrated unto God. But now a generation in the wilderness had not been consecrated. There had to be a cutting of the flesh for a mark on their body that they were a children of God. He was going to fight their battles for them. But they were going to have to consecrate themselves unto God. Soon after they made a consecration unto God, they entered into a covenant. They went to Gilgal and they consecrated themselves. They suffered in the flesh for a few days. It is at that place the manna ends. You know, when you come into a place of covenant, before that, once you made a consecration, you come to a place of covenant and God begins to lead you. That's a time sometimes many of the miraculous ways in which God led you. God will begin to move you into principles of obedience to bring blessing on you, not just through miracles, but through bring blessing on your life through strategic principles of wisdom and principles of God's kingdom. From the time they consecrated themselves and then God asked them to make a covenant. From that time on, the new principles that kicked in were very, very different from the old way in the, which they lived in the wilderness. When God brings you to play a place of covenant, the laws of covenant begin to govern your life and my life. And this is exactly what God began to do with this new generation. It was the laws of covenant. The covenant said, I am going to do miracles for you. But I'm going to ask you to obey me in the wilderness. It was a new principle of obedience that was going to lead to blessing. It was a new level of maturity that the Lord was asking from them. A maturity that was going to not just trust God for miracles all the time, but apply the principles of sowing and reaping. Apply the principles of harvest and, and believing God for a breakthrough. It was following a new guidance, a new strategy, a new leading. And this is what I want you to understand. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, the Bible says, For all those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And I want you to know when God brings you into a life of covenant, He moves you into a new place of being led by the Spirit of God. It's not just the miracles that God did for you. It's not just the past things that God did miraculously. God is saying, now I want you to apply principles of God's word to walk in an abundance. Many times people just pray for an abundance. 
But do you know that you can apply principles of God's word so that you can walk in an abundance of God's word? God is a God of new beginnings. When he brought Israel into the promised land, it was a new beginning. He wanted them to pay careful attention to his strategy because this new beginning had new battles. There were going to be new nations that were going to fight them. Their new beginnings were going to have new battles. Once you came to Jesus and you made a covenant with God, you also saw that battles have been coming your way. Battles of the flesh, battles with Satan, battles, all kinds of different battles. And God is saying, I want you to trust me to be able to face those battles. And I am going to give you a strategy. And this strategy is going to be different Every time you're going to have to face a new battle. I know in this point of our life, around the world, we're going through a very difficult situation. And I want you to know that we as the children of God, we are not without a covenant. We are people, sons of God living in a covenant. And if it's a sons of God living in covenant, then I want you to know the voice of God will speak to you. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, whether you turn to the left or turn to the right, There will be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you consecrate yourself to God, when you make a covenant with God, the voice of God will not be rare. It will be abundantly supplied to you in every circumstance of your life. Whatever you're going through today, my brother, my sister, I pray and I want to release the truth that the voice of God is going to come mightily upon your life. That every battle you face, God is going to hear from heaven. He is going to give you a strategy and he is going to take you through that. This is why the Bible says those that are led by the Spirit of God, they will be the sons of God. So God asked you to consecrate yourself. He asked them, Israel, to consecrate themselves. And then they made a covenant with God. We are going to walk with you and we will obey the Lord our God. They promised Joshua and they promised God. And soon after this. Then came after the consecration, came the miracle. After the miracle came the covenant. After the covenant, soon after this, we see they went into a season of conflicts. Many times when we come to Christ, we think there aren't many conflicts. We don't have many problems. God's good. good. He helps us. He takes. But I want you to know, children of God, every child of God is going to have conflicts. Ephesians chapter 6, it says, For a battle is not against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers and rulers and wickedness in high places. So I want you to know that in Christian life, we have battles. Do not be afraid of battles because the battle belongs to the Lord. When you and I are in a covenant with God, in this covenant life, the beautiful thing is that we don't fight the battles alone. God is a God of covenant. And in the battle, God steps in. To fight that battle on our behalf. When Israel crossed after they've made the covenant with God, the Bible says in Joshua in chapter 5, just before Joshua chapter 6, was uh, chapter 6, where they had their first major battle with Jericho. In Joshua in chapter 5, to just before the great battle, the Bible says Joshua is going and he's confronted by an angel of the Lord. As he's confronted by the angel of the Lord, the, the angel pulls out the sword and standing there and Joshua looks at him and says, are you for us and against us? The angel pulled out the sword and said, I am the commander of the armies of God. You can just imagine Joshua is the commander 
of the kingdom of Israel or the land of Israel, the people of God. And now here he has the angel of the Lord, who is the commander of the armies of God standing there. And he says, I am neither for you nor you. I'm the commander of the armies of God. Joshua falls down and, you know, down on his knees. And I want you to know he has an encounter that day with the commander of the armies of God. When you make a covenant with God, I want you to know God begins to release angelic ministries on your behalf. You and I are not alone anymore. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, the Bible or the last verse of Hebrews 1, the Bible says that every one of us has ministering angels that are sent to minister to those that are inheriting salvation. I want you to know, if you are in walking in covenant with God, you are never alone. You have angels that go before you, that will fight your battles for you. Joshua and his people, they get into a battle in Joshua and chapter 6. And right there in that battle, they have a strategy from God. God tells them, march around that city. Don't make a battle cry. Just march around the city six days. And on the seven days, seven times, and then after that, shout a loud shout unto God. And when they shout a loud shout unto God, the walls came crumbling down. You know, they say the walls of Jericho were so wide that six chariots could ride on that wall side by side. Rahab, the harlot or the prostitute, she had a house in the wall. You can just imagine that is how thick the walls of Jericho were. If that is how thick the walls of Jericho were, and I want you to know when God gave a strategy, the walls did not come down because of their shout. The walls did not come down, some people say, because of the frequency, the trumpets and all that. The walls came down because the Bible says, if you consecrate yourself and you make a covenant with me, God says, I'm going to do wonders among you. I will fight your battles for you. I will strengthen you. People of God, I want to tell you something. The battle in front of you is not as mighty as the God that is behind you. He is going to release an anointing on your life. Even whatever season you're going through in your life, I really believe there is going to be a breakthrough. The God of wonders is going to give great and mighty things in your life. You made this, con they made the consecration. They went out and they made a covenant with God and they went out and they had conflicts. And now God was saying, if you have conflicts, you're going to conquer. They obeyed the voice of God. God fought the battle and they conquered for, on behalf of God. Isn't that amazing? Every time there's a great messy situation, I want you to know God wants to step in and press the reset button. Israel had messed up. They were living in a disobedience. They had lost the entire generation died in the wilderness. God presses the reset button and gets a Joshua to become a new leader. And he gets them all to cross the river Jordan and get into the promised land. Every time there is a mess, God wants to press the reset button. In the life of Adam and Eve, when they sinned, God had to press the reset button. He had to plan for the Lamb of God to be sent for the sins of the whole world. God is constantly looking to reset what has been destroyed by man's disobedience and foolishness. When God wants to reset something, God is always looking for a consecrated man or woman or a consecrated people or a consecrated church that is going to work and live and walk on behalf of God. In the life of Noah, we see that Noah lived a blameless life. 
Genesis chapter 5 to 9, we see the story of Noah. But even in his life, we see as he was a man that was obeying the Lord, living blameless, he went through the same steps that God had led Israel in. First, there was a consecration. Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 says that Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his time and Noah walked with God. After Noah walking with God, all the world was wicked. God had to press the reset button, but he looked for a man of consecration. And the Bible says in Genesis 6, 18, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your wife's son's wives with you. God was looking for this man because of this one man's covenant with God. God saved the whole family. As for him and his household, they turned to God. He started with a consecration and then he made a covenant with God. This consecration was represented in the obedience when God told him, build me an ark. He'd never seen an ark, didn't know what it was, didn't know what a flood was, didn't understand the whole thing. But Noah believed God and he built that ark, knowing that God could be trusted. 100 years. Can you imagine from the age of 500 to the age of 600? It was 100 years that he took that, build that ark. But when the rain came, finally, he was 600 years old. God himself shut the doors behind the ark. That was the covenant. That was God standing behind that covenant. The third, after the obedience, that the consecration of obedience, we see Noah did everything according to the voice of the Lord. And then the Lord told, tells him, get inside the ark. I'm going to shut the door. After this came the third thing, the conflict. You see, it was consecration. Then there was a covenant. After the covenant, there was a conflict. Conflicts are bound to come. The conflict was in the storm. It rained 40 days and 40 nights and the heavens opened and the deeps opened and the storm came up. There was such a conflict for about a year they had to float around. Sometimes I want you to know when all kinds of crazy things happen in the, in, in the environment and in nature and you know they had to float around for a whole year not knowing what the future was. I want you to know God of covenant was sustaining the ark in that season when they did not know what to do. I want to promise you here, it may be months and months of uncertainty in your life, but I want you to know if you're in covenant with God, God who held the ark for Noah will hold the ark for you. He will hold your ark. He will hold his promises. They will be forever sure. Do not be afraid of the storm. Do not be afraid of the conflict. If you will come through that conflict, God will bring you to a place of conquering. He will bring you to a place of blessing. Genesis 8 and verse 20. The Bible says, And Noah built an altar to the Lord and took the clean animals and offered a sacrifice unto God because God blessed Noah. Genesis 9 1 says, God blessed Noah. If you will get through that conflict, God will fight your battles for you and then God will bless you. You see, it was not the superiority of the wood or even the way he built it. I believe God sustained Noah and the ark and all the animals that were in the ark. You see, God is looking for a people to consecrate. He's looking for a church to consecrate. He is looking for a generation to consecrate. Church, will you and I be that church that God can consecrate? He wants a consecrated people to enter into covenant. When Moses was preparing to become, the, you know, bring about a salvation to the people of Israel, bring them out of Israel, you know, he tried his own strength. And then God had to consecrate him, had to remove him out of Egypt, bring him to Midian. And there for 40 years, 
God consecrated him in that wilderness. I want you to know it was there that God prepared him for and made a covenant with him and sent him there and circumcised the people of Israel and God went before them. The formation of Israel itself was because one man decided to consecrate himself. He had an encounter with God on the burning bush. Are you ready to encounter God? Are you ready to see the fire of God upon your life? If you want to see the fire of God, God will ask you to consecrate yourself. Remove your shoes, God told Moses. For the place you stand is holy. There is always going to be a holiness of God that you and I have to tremble before. That we can't take his word lightly. He is a mighty God. That, he, that Moses trembled at his word, at his presence. And then God said, now you go. He said, take that rod, throw it down. He threw it down and became a snake. He said, pick it up by the tail. He picked it up and became a rod again. As long until Moses threw it down, the Bible calls it the rod of Moses. But from the time he picked it up, the Bible calls that rod the rod of God. If you will consecrate yourself and throw down what God is asking you to throw down, it will become a snake. But if God asks you to pick up something, I want you to know that that will become the rod of God in your hand. Hallelujah. God is asking you to pick up something. Do not be afraid to pick up what God is asking you to pick up. Do not be afraid to throw down what God is asking you to throw down. And if he asks you to throw down something, it's because it's a snake in your hand. If he asks you to pick up something, it's because he wants to give his rod into your hand. There was a new covenant that God made with Moses and Israel got into that covenant because of Moses. It was a new beginning. Every new beginning, there is a consecration. There was a, a time that one day God decided to send his son Jesus. And when Jesus was coming, there was a consecration that Jesus had to do. He lived a sinless life, the Bible says. In him there was no sin. He obeyed his parents. He completely followed the law of God. And so that all righteousness may be fulfilled, he had a consecration unto God. He had a covenant. He went to the wilderness and he was baptized. And the heavens opened up. And the Bible says, God declared, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. After that, he had a conflict. He was driven by the spirit into the wilderness. I want you to know every conflict is not because the devil is after you. Sometimes God allows you to go to the wilderness so that he can build you up and test you in the wilderness. He had a conflict. He went to the wilderness and Satan tempted him there for you know three different temptations. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and pride of life. And there Jesus overcame every one of those temptations. And then he conquered fourthly. You see, every time there's a consecration, you get ready to make a covenant. If you make a covenant, there's going to be a conflict. If you have a conflict, God is going to fight that battle for you. If you walk in covenant and you will come as a conqueror. Jesus came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. He was Filled by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. What a truth. I want you to know that God wants to give you an encounter and use you mightily. It was the same in the lives of the disciples. 120 days they were set apart. God was preparing for a new move of the kingdom. The cross of Jesus Christ was a new covenant. It was a new beginning. It was a reset from God. The church was being planted. They were moving from death to life. It was a new beginning. Now in the kingdom of God. God is also asking us to reset. It's a crossing over from a life of the flesh 
into the life in the Holy Spirit so that we can also have a new beginning. God is asking us to come to this place that you and I can come to a place of consecration. When we come to a place of consecration, it is the place where we begin to walk with Jesus. That is the moment of our consecration. We're saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. That is a moment of consecration. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 12 says, So that you may walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you to his own kingdom and glory. God is asking you, will you consecrate? Will you repent from your sin and consecrate yourself to walk with Jesus in a new life? Romans 14 verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This kingdom is a matter of power. When God gets us to consecrate ourselves, then God is calling on us and saying, I want to make a covenant with you. You see, the New Testament is a new covenant. It's not like the old covenant that God made with Moses and Israel. It's a new covenant with the shed blood of Jesus himself. The Bible says in this new covenant, he brings us to a place where he asks us, I want you to be baptized. I want you to obey me and now live a life that is going to bring glory to God. Colossians 1 verse 13, the Bible says, For he has rescued us from a domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Hallelujah. It's a new covenant. This is why Jesus said, you know, the blood of the covenant. This is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. As often as you partake of this, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus knew that it was a new covenant that he was bringing us to. After the covenant, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You see, after the covenant, there's always a conflict. There's always a test. There's always a challenge. And in this conflict, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I am going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. He said, I'm going to give my Holy Spirit to be with you. When you are going into this conflict, I want you to know. First Corinthians chapter 15 was 24 says, and then comes the end. He will hand over the kingdom of the God and father when he will abolish all rule and authority. I want you to know the end of the conflict is that his kingdom is going to reign. So until then, if his kingdom is going to reign and from conflict, he's going to lead you to a life of conquering. How is it that you and I are going to go through this season of conflict? Only a spirit filled, spirit led life can lead us through a season of conflict and lead us into a life of conquering, living an overcoming life. Revelation 3 says to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat of the fruit of life. You see, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50 says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So you see, this battle cannot be won by flesh and blood. It has to be won with the Holy Spirit. So for us, when we make a covenant with God, God says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit of God. People of God, when you're going through a covenant, a, a, a challenging, conflicting situation, you're going through a war or a, or a stormy situation of your life, I want you to build yourself in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Consecrate yourself. Make a covenant. 
and face your conflicts head on. As you pray in the spirit, I want you to know God will give you a strategy for your season because only the kingdom of God can only be inherited by people that are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. The Bible also goes on to say that the kingdom, those who live a kingdom life are the people that are going to inherit the kingdom. Galatians 5 and verse 21 says, for envying and drunkenness and carousing and things like this, of which I forewarn you, the Bible says, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice these things will not enter or inherit the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven clearly declares, even after you consecrate yourself and you make a covenant, if you're going to backslide, you're going to live in sin, just like Israel in the wilderness. First Corinthians 10 says, they are an example for us in the last days. Just like they died in the wilderness because they did not walk in obedience. In the same way, if we don't walk in obedience, we also can lose out on what God has planned for us. First Corinthians 6 and verse 10 says, Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So I believe it's time for us to be set apart. Set yourself apart before God sets you or me apart from the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Matthew's Gospel 25, he shares the story of the sheep and the goat. And he says that the king is going to come and he's going to separate the sheep from the goat. The sheep on the right and the goat on the left. And then he's going to separate them. And who are the sheep and the goat? Some people say they're believers and unbelievers. I want you to know they are not believers and unbelievers. If the sheep and the goat were believers and unbelievers, then salvation would have been by good works. Look what is happening. The sheep were the ones that the, Jesus says, I was hungry, you fed me, I was naked, you clothed me, I was in prison, you took care of me. When you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And the goat were the ones that were, you know, they're not unbelievers, but they were actually believers who were in the kingdom. But Jesus was hungry and they didn't feed him. He was thirsty, they didn't give him drink. And he was in prison, they didn't visit him. And they asked, when did we not visit you, Jesus? And he said, when you did not do it for the least of these, you did not do it for me. People of God, I want you to know, when you and I, when we don't do the will of God, when we don't take care of the people of God, when we don't serve the will of God and the assignments of God, then we become the goats. And the ones that serve the assignments of God, they are the sheeps in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says in verse 34 of Matthew 25, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. The king is going to say that. People of God, I want you to know, get ready to live for the king. What is in common between darkness and light? You cannot live for darkness and light together. You cannot live in unholiness and in godliness together. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? What fellowship has light and darkness? God says, do not live an ungodly life. God wants you to live a godly life. That is why we started this service. You remember, I started off with Psalm 1. What, is it? what does it say? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, nor stand in the way of sinners. He is 
and his meditation is on the law of the Lord. He meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. And he is like a tree that is planted by the streams of waters, which bears its fruit in season. Whatever he does will prosper. People of God, I want you to know if you are going to obey God, God is saying, even if a conflict comes, you know, the sinners are the scoffers and they make fun of you. You stand and obey God. And God is going to make you like a tree that is planted by the rivers. You will draw from the Holy Spirit. He will give you a strategy like he gave Isaac. You will have a hundredfold harvest in the time of famine. Because God is the one that's going to fight your battle for you. You will see a blessing in the midst when others are struggling. You will see a blessing because God wants to fight that battle for you. And I believe even as I close here, there is going to be an eternal reset in your life and my life. The crossing over from the devil's reign into God's kingdom reign, the new Jerusalem. If the heavens have been made by God, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, just like the heavens were made by God, at his word, the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire. 2 Peter 3, 7 says that. And the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. If God created the heavens and the earth, God is also going to destroy the heavens and the earth and he's going to create a new heaven and new earth. There's going to be an eternal reset. Are you ready for that eternal reset? Or are you just saving up for life on earth? Have you saved up for life in eternity? How do you save up for life in eternity? Consecrate yourself. Live a life of covenant. His kingdom is going to reign. Live a life of covenant. Spend your life for Jesus as him as king. The kingdoms of the world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Revelation 11 and verse 15 says, if that is so, prepare for this coming season an eternal reset not Israel entering into that promised land we are the kingdom sons and daughters of God getting ready to enter into the promised land and get ready for that eternal reset if that is the case then reset your relationship with God reset your relationships in your home reset your relationship in the church reset your obedience and a life of holiness Reset your service to the things of God and God will prepare you for that eternal reset. You'll be sown in corruption and on the day he calls you by name, you'll be resurrected to the newness of life and you and I will spend the rest of our eternity unto him. So consecrate yourself, make a covenant with God. You spend the rest of your life fighting those conflicts and God will find those battles for you and then God will call you home. And the Bible says to him who overcomes, I will bless and I will bless and I will bless. Get ready for an eternity of blessing if you will walk in consecration and covenant. Your eternity will never be the same again. God bless you and have a wonderful consecrated lifetime ahead. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.